Hey, welcome to the Pass Control Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan, and this episode is an extra special episode this week. We have none other than the creator of The Messenger, Thierry. Thierry was kind enough to come on the show, chat with us about The Messenger, about Sabotage Studio, and so many more things, and I don't want to hold you up any longer. I know you want to get to the episode, you want to get to the good stuff, and not me ranting and rambling and and talking about housekeeping things, which I'm going to do real quick, but then... I promise we'll keep it quick and we'll keep it moving. This week's episode, of course, sponsored by our good friends at Goodnight Fatty, uh, the North Shore's premier late-night cookie pop-up, as well as Beer Brand, a premium men's grooming company that has products for your beard, hair, and your body. Um, We also would appreciate if you checked us out on social media. You can, as always, go to our website, PassTheController.io. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at PassController. And you can find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash PassController. Of course, we do have our Discord up, and we have it. The easiest way to get to our Discord is to go to our pinned tweet. There's a link for it there. Uh, we just launched our Patreon, but all this stuff is boring. This episode is great. I'm so happy Terry was able to, to make the time and finally come on. We've been trying to do this for a while, and we finally got to do it. And I'm very, very happy about this. So enjoy this week's episode, episode 110 with Terry Belanger of Sabotage Studio. this week when it's me and you alone <laughs> i know right not happens. only that but we have a guest today <laughs> so it's like it's just a lot of changes in one episode i don't think we've never done one episode alone me and you right oh definitely not that's it's kind of weird since we started this thing yeah right it's very odd i had a baby and yeah listen babies <laughs> change everything uh but that being said we've been kind of hyping this up with our with our fans in the discord and on our stream and stuff so the loyal fans know who's we're about to announce on the show right now, but for many of you other listeners out there, you may not know that this episode we actually have Terry Boulanger, and I probably said your last name wrong too because I'm <laughs> <laughs> stupid Americans, um, the creator of The Messenger, one of the founders of Sabotage Studio from Quebec City. It's a pleasure to have you. Hey, uh, thanks. It's, it's an honor to be here uh, with you guys. Yeah, I know. I know we've been trying to schedule this for a long time after right. PAX East this year. So uh, I'm finally excited that we got to get this down in the books. Yeah. Um, so for those of, I mean, I I talk about The Messenger a lot because for me personally, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Like, it's my game of the year this year. Wow. Like, we, give him, we give him such a hard time because you, he, like, cause we all love it, but he keeps, he will not stop saying it's my game of the year. We're like, my, yeah, <laughs> we get it, right? We get it, all right? I mean, I, it's important. I mean, it's, it's a smaller studio game, so I feel like it's important to be super vocal about that. Um, I mean, and it's in a year where there's so many good games, like God of War, Monster Hunter, all these great games. Right. So, like, I really got to go to bat for the game that I think is the game of the year. Right. Um, so, a lot of our fan base and my friends and people that know us, like, already know that I just talk about this game a lot. But if you want to give a little quick backstory or maybe a little bit of, like, an overview of what The Messenger is, and we can kind of go from there. Right. Well, so the main, the main, uh, the core game design ingredient is uh, is messing with players' expectations, right? So... Uh, the idea was to present a game that was this, you know, seen before, uh, you know, 8-bit linear action platformer game. 
um, and to kind of have everything that you you expect when you first pick up the game is like, oh, I'm sure I know where it's going, right? Uh, and then it's about at least twice the amount of content that you would have expected, and then the game also shifts into a Metroidvania instead of a linear action platformer. Um, it's to hide things in, in plain sight, you know, and then to have a good good beats of like revealing all, everything, you know, uh, to a big a big uh, finale. So at least that was the intention, you know. I, yeah. Uh, Right. I mean, again, I'm a big stand for the game, but that, I mean, that's how it hit me. It, it, it definitely plays with your expectations, and it kind of it pulls you along, and then it all of a sudden will do things within the game, whether it's story-wise or whether it's gameplay-wise, that just completely shift the experience you're having. And I think that a lot of people going into it might not know that some of those twists or turns are there. Right. Um, so it's definitely like that was one of the best things for me was that the game definitely – acts one way then goes another way mm-hmm. and it, it, mm-hmm. it's you don't expect that from like when the game i guess i'll just i'll, I'll give my backstory of of this game for me um when i first discovered the messenger i think it was when it was in one of the nintendo directs i think around january maybe of this year or something like that mm-hmm. um sorry it piqued my interest right away i was like this is up my alley like retro aesthetic platformer looks cool mm-hmm. um you know, I'm a, I'm a big Shovel Knight guy, obviously a big retro guy <laughs> from growing up on Nintendo, you know, consoles. Um, but it seemed like something that was right up my alley. So when PAX rolled around and you guys were there, I was like, this is a like a must. Like, this is a, I need to etch out time for this. And then you and I had a chance to sit down and play it together. And I think the, the PAX demo was a little bit of Autumn Hills. And then I think it mm-hmm. ended with Fighting Ruxton, I think. Yeah, so we had a bit in, in Catacomb that was showing the 8 and 16 bit. Yes, just as a just as a gimmick, you know, because in the game it happens much much later. Actually, it, it acts like like it will never happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just like a quick showing of of, uh, of what the game had had to offer, you know. Yeah, but yeah, it was Ruxin at the end. Like a great way for the demo to be because it mm-hmm. like for the person who's uninformed or maybe a little informed, mm-hmm. they get to experience all these different elements of the game, and I think it showcased you know the gameplay the mechanic of time traveling, right. which at the time, I don't think the demo tells you it's time traveling, but yeah, no, it's like, it's just presented as a gimmick here, but rest assured it ties into the, the narrative quite meaningfully. And the, your actual adventure was the, was the shopkeeper line. Yeah. Um, cause yeah. that's, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say like the, the showing off the, the 16 bit thing is at first, you know, just coming from, cause I'm not really a, a businessman, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a game designer. So, uh, what I, the only thing I was catering to was like the what, what would be the best player experience, you know? And obviously it would be to go in blind, you know, to not be showing the 16-bit at all in any trailer, any demo or anything, not even have a rumor that there's something more to the game, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, just keep on pretending that it's... That's all it is, you know. I thought of it as kind of like a, you know, the, those drunken masters, like just the way they move. You're like, there's no way they can punch me or whatever, you know. But then yeah. they're in control, but they act like they're not, you know. The idea being that the game eventually does things that doesn't look like it could do, you know. Um, and then like, it was kind of like, what's up? No, I was going to say, I think that's like the best way to present it is, is how you did that. Because, mm. again, like when you're starting off playing the game, it presents itself as a linear, you know, very retro you go from level right. to level you beat the boss you move on right. and it's like there's so much more to the game story-wise mm-hmm. and gameplay-wise that develop and open up over time right right and that's the thing is is i eventually had to kind of like you know just realities of, of there's so many games out there if you want to stand out you gotta 
show a little bit of, of what you got, you know, and so we, we ended up having to kind of like, you know, the decision was made to, no, let's show it so that people know that, have a hint that there's more to it, you know, otherwise they'll just never pick it up, you know. And so that was a good call because it became the main the main thing that gave us exposure that people got interested in, you know. Uh, but I don't think a, a, of the 8 and 16-bit as, as the, the core of the game at all. For me, it was just the best way to render the, what happens in the narrative that, that you go into the future, you know. So it's the past and future worlds, right, the 8 and 16-bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it, it was, yeah. What were you saying? So no, I was just gonna say like it, it, it wasn't. Hey, it would be cool to like shift between those two worlds, you know, and and then that's the the gimmick that we have, and what do we build around the fact that we just want to exploit the wow factor of that, you know? Um, mm -hmm. It was just like here's a bonkers storyline, you know, uh, yeah. and then every step of the way it was like how do we best, you know, execute on that to have the biggest impact on the player, and that's how the 16 bit came to be. It's like hey, what if everything was doubled to fully represent, you know, the past and future and. It just emerged as the as the the thing that made sense, you know, to do, and then it turned out that it was a good a good flashy thing to just to show the game off, you know, to get some some eyeballs. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's it's animated very well done, and then mm. like with the the way that the music plays into it, and the transition is so perfect between <laughs> the music and the art style going back and forth. Because there there were plenty of times where just to like test it out i would just run back and forth between like time portals just to like mm -hmm. like you know play around with it and uh i think you know you perfectly said it where it's it's so much more of a narrative tool but it showcases so well as a visual thing to pull people into the game right um but yeah i mean when you and i had a chance to sit down at pax what i was getting to before was basically I was already very excited about this game. I got my hands on it. It it played phenomenally. I couldn't wait to play more of it. And then you were like, "Well, you know, if you want, you know, I can spoil some things. We can go kind of ahead into what the demo isn't, and we mm -hmm. went to like further parts of the game. And you showed me like some of your favorite parts of the of the world and stuff. <laughs> and it was like, it it sunk its teeth into me. And I was like, "Oh my god, I yeah, need you this stop game." Stop talking about it. <laughs> I, 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 like like when I, we left when we left your booth, like for the rest of the day, I was like, "Guys, this is like." I don't need, like, this is the game. Like, I don't need to see anything <laughs> yeah, else. Right. We're, we're good. Like, this is it. Um, <laughs> well. it, it, it made me feel the way Shovel Knight made me feel the first time I played Shovel Knight. And I feel like that's a that's a big deal. Cause, wow. Like, Shovel Knight, for me, is, is like, one of the greatest games to come out in the past 10 years. For and sure. I put this yeah. right next to it. Wow, okay, well, um, okay. Well, thank you. I mean, I don't know that we're Shovel Knight level, but uh, I'm so hey, uh, happy that you like it. But, yeah. I mean, I I would one hundred percent put you in that category. Like they, their their attention to detail with you know with everything that Shovel Knight is hmm. is is the same level of you know what you guys have poured into this as far as you know mechanics. Like I think the controls are very tight, hmm. and uh you know the the aesthetic, the music, the visuals, the story. The story is so deep. The shopkeeper is so hilarious. That's great. <laughs> like. E easily one of my favorite parts of the game is the sh a Corvo's great too, but the shopkeeper is like I would like go into every like point just to make sure I like if he yes. has the, <laughs> the nice hat it. thing. The <laughs> nice hat killed me. Oh my god. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the hat emerged as a as a fan favorite. It, it, it's funny because that one it it wasn't even in there, but just from showing the game. So Pax East was the first. Um, the first time when we had the 16-bit playable in a build for people to, to look at. And everyone oh, said, what, a hat is so cool. You know, every, like, 
two out of three people would, it's the first thing they would say, you know, when they saw the 16, but oh, the hat is so cool. So I'm like, you know, shopkeeper is, is so much about being in the player's head, right? And being ahead of what you think and whatnot, or at least that, that's the attempt. Uh, so that it was like, the hat will just come naturally for so many people that will just acknowledge that in, in their writing, you know? And then, yeah, the, yeah. then the hat joke uh, came to be. Uh, I mean, the, the shopkeeper's great. I mean, I, I love Corbel as a character, but then I also love him as like a, a MacGuffin for the plot where it's like, this is a video game, but we're, we're going to use him as the excuse as to why if you die, you don't actually die. So it's just like yeah. a funny little like jab at, hey, this is a game, but also, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's or, just like. Or for the boss and the mid-level boss, which I don't really want to talk about because I spent way too many hours trying to get past that. Um, <laughs> the, I, the first time you get to the tower. The first time you get to the tower, okay. yeah. I, uh, I'm, mm. I, I would get so frustrated. I play my Switch a lot, like at night too so i'm usually a couple beers deep and i think like i almost like threw my switch several times um but then when i finally beat it it was like the greatest feeling ever yeah. i was like finally <laughs> well that's how that's how i felt so i i 100 percented the game like i got all the all the the seals the yeah po- power seals yeah um the hardest one for me was probably the i forget which level it, it's when you get to it's whatever level the the bat monarch is mm-hmm um it's like one of the first seals in that world where it's right off to the right and you have to like dodge all of the spinning oh yeah that took me forever (laughs) for some reason like i would every time i got to the the lowest one when i would come up to the next one i would always like mess up that jump and when i finally hit it i was like yes that for me that was like one of the most satisfying things because i was just well, like i can't get this goddamn seal yeah that's why they're they're optional too right you know because the way we do uh, the way we approach level design you know is we always have like a, a rough shape for the level oh this one is going upwards you know obviously because it's a tower or whatever uh but then we also work with uh, we call them vignettes right so we just do like single screen ideas that work and then we sprinkle them in the game, you know, and it's like, okay, this one is just fun. This one is really easy. This one is very hard. We try to rank them by difficulty, right? So mm-hmm. that then we can have like interesting curves of like, oh, peak difficulty, then give you a little break and come back again. And those that were like very hard, that's the challenge rooms, right? It was like, well, it's fun to do because it's the, it's to the extent to which we can push a certain gameplay ingredient or whatever. But yeah. then to, to have, to gate every player behind that is kind of unfair. So that's why, you know, the power seals, it's like just this optional thing if you want the ultimate, you know, challenge. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of, I feel like there's more than just that that's like kind of optional for the player. Like if, mm-hmm. I guess if you really, I, there's probably some moments where you would have to, but you, you don't necessarily have to go in and talk to the shopkeeper every no. time you pass them. Like you don't have to do all that stuff. So yeah. if somebody wanted just a more vanilla platforming experience, yeah. They could skip a lot of the narrative stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is just another option for the player if you're looking for something a little bit more just focused on the gameplay itself and not so much the narrative, which right. I implore anybody who is either playing this game or interested in this game, you need to 100% talk to the shopkeeper. <laughs> it, hands down, some of the best <laughs> writing and gaming this year, and maybe in the last Whoa. few years. It, like, fantastic stuff. I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> um. But basically, after we met at PAX and after we had the chance and you showed me some more stuff of the game, there was part of me that was like, oh, man, I wonder if, like, some, like, because you had told me some of the twists that happened further in the game mm-hmm. and how time traveling was the reason for the for the graphic swap. And uh, right. I um, I was like, I wonder if I, like, if that will take away some of my enjoyment for the game later. And I was like, even though I knew that, there was still some other narrative twi- twist that 
still got me by surprise. And I was like, this is such like, cool. It's not like the deepest narrative I've ever played in my life, yeah. but it is a very deep narrative for what this is. And it like, it took me completely by surprise, even knowing some of the stuff that you and I had already talked about. And then, I mean, the, the, whatever, six months or so after PAX waiting for mm-hmm. the game to finally come out, um, Jen actually from, from Papa Jen was able to send me a code early. So I got to play it a little bit early, <laughs> but I was so like nervous installing the game i was like is this gonna live up to my like hmm. like i i built it up in my brain like as this game that i couldn't wait for and i'm like is it gonna live up to that hype and it it for me i don't want to speak for everyone because todd's looking at me already well i'm not looking <laughs> it shattered my like it shattered my already high expectations like it was it like job well done like i, I cannot wow. like praise this game well you enough. can even see that the nintendo uh ign group or in on facebook like when yeah. anyone says what game do i need to buy for switch it's literally everyone saying messenger messenger dead cells messenger, messenger. yeah it's like literally that's all people say yeah, yeah. it's like messenger and dead cells yeah it's pretty much like, right. anyone like has for recommendations those are the two that always pop up mm-hmm. and then someone's like i don't know if i should get uh the messenger and everyone's like dude what's wrong with you you know <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's this situation where, where, again, with the spoilers and all of that, like, I'm glad that you still got a good experience out of it, even though I, I probably told you a lot, right, from, from uh, at PAX. I remember what I showed yeah. you, and it's like, you, yeah. You did warn me. You said, mm. I, like, you, you said, I'm going to say some stuff. I'm like, no, go for it. Like, right. like I want to know. Right, right. But that's the thing is, is it's based on surprises, right? And, and so that's why, just to come back to the, the controls that you mentioned earlier, right, the, the the main thing that we worked on was that was the controls just that for moment to moment that it would feel good to be controlling the character you know mm-hmm. because if you want to have replay value the game can't only rely on you know the story beats being surprising because once you know you have you know if you still replay it there has to be something else there for you you know um so yeah I, I'm, I'm glad even though you you, you knew about the the you had a few spoilers that that it was it was still good for you because I kind of had that doubt as well to be honest. It's like hey, I'm doing these shows and it's just a quick pitch, you know. So it's kind of like yeah. easy to, you know, make people think the whole thing course, will yeah. be great, you know. Um, you can just give that impression fairly easily in, in just five minutes. But uh, to, once the reviews started coming out, you know, it was a, it was a big relief that okay, it's you know, it, it actually like it wasn't all a lie, you know. It actually was just the, the giving the right that impression. Was- so. I was going to say, too, how was, how was it? It must have been amazing just seeing those first couple of reviews come out and just seeing everyone oh, raise yeah. it. And like, oh, like, yeah. Thank God. Yes. You know, like. mm-hmm. No, that was surreal because, I mean, as, you know, I spent um, about nine years as a game programmer, you know, and I wanted to be a designer. And it was like, ah, no, you're a programmer. You stay there. You know, you're fine. Uh, you know, and to just like start your thing because no one's going to give you that title. And like, I'll name myself designer, you know, and it's our first game. So it was kind of like, you know, well, now I'll know if I'm a designer or not, you know. And so the idea was to let you know people decide. So yeah. So yeah, man, it's 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 a really good feeling because now we can work more confidently, you know. And uh, I know that it's not all all uh, all fake, you know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure the the team also has that same feeling. It's not just you; it's everybody. How many, how many people are on the team? So so it's uh, ten people, including uh, one's not an employee. Our composer Eric Rainbow Dragon Eyes. He's a he's a full time musician, you know. So he's touring and whatnot, and uh, composing for us is is a is a thing he does as freelance. You know, it's not full time for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's ten of us. So we have uh, one one programmer, uh, two character artists, one level artist, uh, one tester, one level designer, 
one producer, then I do game design, writing, and direction. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's been quite the adventure, and everyone is is really happy, you know, obviously to to see what what happens. So now we're we're just uh, we all gathered up. We're all back in the saddle now, and uh, we'll have some cool stuff to announce soon. Oh, oh nice. nice, that's 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 crazy. Um, so you mentioned Rainbow Dragon Eyes. Yeah, the, the soundtrack is also like another like for me. This game hits all the beats. It's hmm. it's gameplay phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Story, it's there. Aesthetically, hmm. immaculate. Then the music comes in, and like for me, I'm a big chiptune guy. Like yeah. I, I, I grew up on Nintendo, so I grew up on you know all all this retro music, you know these legendary melodies, all this stuff. And I feel like mm. the deeper we go into you know video games being around for you know thirty plus years at this point or whatever twenty you know thirty ish years, um, memorable music. I feel like personally, because I'm I'm a little bit of an audiophile, isn't as prolific as it was before and i think mm. that some of that is like plays with your nostalgia like obviously if you grew up on something you're going to have a little bit more fondness i'm not saying that stuff isn't still amazing or great but you know you're you're going to have mm. a little bit of rose tinted glasses when you're looking back at stuff right. um but like i'll drive around in my car like bumping the soundtrack because <laughs> like it's it is that good and and i feel like when a game can like when i hear certain songs when the game can make me feel the game, like when the music can make me feel the game or can make me remember mm-hmm. parts of levels and stuff, I feel like that is like just as important as the game being good. Right, right, right. Um, so I, I wanted to compliment the music, but how did you meet, Rain- how did you get to work with Rainbow Dragon Eyes for this? Well, yeah, so we're in Quebec and Canada on the East Coast, and he's a technical death metal drummer from uh, Denver. Um, and so he, so he was doing, so Rainbow Dragon Eyes is his chiptune, black metal chiptune project. So he growls over Game Boy music, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just as, a, you know, you work as a developer, so you're constantly, you know, into the whole VGM, you know, covers and whatnot and everything that, like, close to it, you know. Uh, and so he was touching a bit on the, to me, on the Nintendo Core vibe, if you will. Um, and so I just started listening to, to his stuff while working, you know, and... Um, I was rambling to Sylvain, who's our uh, programmer now. We, we used to, we've been working together uh, for 10 years now. And I was like, hey, dude, you know, we should make this ninja game. Well, I'll quit my job and Rainbow Dragon Eyes will make the music. It was kind of like part of my, you know, thing that will obviously never do dream scenario, you know? Yeah. But I would, I would ramble about that, you know? Um, and then, so, uh, you know, we had a prototype going, you know, that we were, were working on uh, on evenings and weekends and um so as he was touring North America, he came to to our city, and Sylvain was like, "Hey, he he'll be playing drums at this like pirate music uh, band called the Dread Crew of Oddwood. and um, it's like it's like, all right, let's go to the show, and I'll try to talk to him when he gets uh, off stage. And so it just happened like that. I basically went up to him, uh, you know, obviously watched his show, and then he got off stage. He was by the merch table, and I went like, "Hey, I'm a big fan of Rainbow Dragon Eyes." He gave me a, a double high five, and then. Uh, <laughs> I gave him like a very terrible pitch, you know, that's in, that was in 2015, I think. I'm like, hey, look, I've been a, a programmer for like eight years now and I want to be a designer now. And so we were making this like retro thing. It's like a ninja, but but it's like there's surprises, but it's like chiptune and, you know, terrible English, everything. <laughs> kind of starstruck, you know. Uh, and he just cut me off. He said, yes, I'll make your music, you know. And oh, wow. Yeah, and then we just had, you know, just a conversation about th- this this idea of just lighting a beacon in life you know he's like 
well, like part of what I do is that so other people come close to me if, if it's relevant to their interests, you know? Um, you know, so, so of course he does music because he likes music, but you also put out there something that's compelling to people you, you, who would get along with you, you know? Um, and so it was like, hey, this guy sounds like he's do some chip tune, you know? Do you think so he, uh, that's exactly do you what think happened. Planned on the game being as big of a deal as it became being when you pitched that idea to him, or was he just absolutely like so, it where it... <laughs> What happened is is uh, we first started with um, with uh, so I, I had the creative brief, you know, for the the whole game, and it was basically look, we'll figure it out later, you know, just let, let's go with. Uh, we wanted to get all things contract, you know, just out of the way as soon as possible, just to work on the game together and see whether it was a, a connection, you know. And obviously it turned out great and, uh, you know, we'll be working together for the, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, but, uh, and so at first it was, I think it was 15 levels. Uh, and then it became like, all right, team, so this is like the the, the small thing we could do. Uh, because at first, so the initial vision, uh, it was only for budget reasons, um, was that the game, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but it would, the game would end after the, after you... How do I say this? After the first quest or whatever, you know, after the, okay. the first half would have been the whole thing, basically, you know, oh, okay. and then the second half could have been, you know, either DLC or, or second coming or whatever. Uh, and then at some point I just told the team like, all right, so here, here's the deal, blah, blah, but the full thing would be this. And they said, yeah, we can't, we want to do that instead. And so, so we planned, we planned accordingly. Um, but the thing that came along later though was the 16 bit. So... It was like, oh, hey, that thing was, where you time travel. It wasn't a part of the original no, uh, dreamscope? No, it wasn't. Well, I mean, it, it's part of the things that I didn't think we could do, you know, and then eventually, tentatively, it's like, would it be feasible, you know, maybe? And then just, that's what happens is that I, I, I work with people who are so passionate that they're just like, yeah, dude, we were doing that for sure, you know? <clears throat> and so then we find a way to make it work. That does that? Is this the first? I If there is another game that does that, like, it's, I, it's not on my radar. I've, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen one. I mean, so, so, uh, people mention, you know, uh, Genesis Sisters and uh, Evil Land, you know, okay. uh, things like that. But this, I think this, and, and I love both these games, but uh, I think this, the, the really real time shifting, you know, like they're really seamless. Um, I don't know. It, it feels unique uh, to us. Maybe it's out there, but I haven't, I haven't really yeah. seen that. Because. Yeah, with the shapes too, that, you know, if just your leg is outside the portal, only your leg is 8-bit and the whole thing. So that's what we did. We built something where the whole game is, the whole world is constantly rendered in both renditions, you know, and then we can overlay that with shapes, you know, so that oh, cool. there's that's no real cool. transition more than, you know, the, the, the it switches from one camera to the other, if you will, you know. Interesting. So it's already was all that, there. Yeah. Was that like a nightmare to code or? <laughs> well, uh, that would be a question for, for Sylvain, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, from working with him every day uh, for years now, I, I can tell you that he never, for some reason, like somehow he never uh, got in a dead end, you know, where he was like, oh, I thought that would work, but now everything is broken or whatever. It just went really smoothly, you know, and it's kind of like, again, you know, that that's why I, I it's, it was a, a big cherry pick, you know, everyone that works at Sabotage, it's all people we've worked together before and I know how it can work because I don't want to have a control approach, you know, I'd rather unleash people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're just like, you know, just make this as dynamic and seamless as possible. And he was like, what do you think about that? And it's like, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. You know how we have the fireflies with the circles that in real time we can have, you know, uh, shapes in the world. 
Uh, it's like, yeah, so he went pretty far with it. Uh, I don't know that of any, uh, like the main thing is that the level design chain is reaffected a little bit between the two worlds, you know, so sometimes some collisions are there that wouldn't be there. So there were a few, not necessarily headaches, but a few, a few use cases to figure out like, oh, what if someone's stuck in a collision because you transition as they're falling through a thing or whatever, you know, yeah. there was a little bit of that. But other than that, no, it's, uh, you know, it's like both music tracks are playing and the, the crossfade, you know, things like that. It, it's it like I didn't notice any snags at all. It, it no. works seamlessly for me. Right. Uh, um. So, one of the things that like really kind of pisses me off a little bit, <laughs> not about the game, just about when I, especially leading up to the game came out, coming out. Right. Whenever I would see another media outlet, like the headline, be something along the lines of, you know, the messenger is, you know, current day Ninja Gaiden. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you're a big Ninja Gaiden guy. Clearly, that's yeah. like a big inspiration for the game. But for, sure. for me, I I don't have like I don't really have any. I don't know if you do, Tob. I have like no ties, no nostalgia for Ninja Gaiden. I played a bunch of Ninja Gaiden, but it wasn't something that yeah I played compared to like other stuff, like you know, like the Mario's. Exactly. It's like, so, like for me, I didn't have like a nostalgia tie. I didn't have like a big deep fondness for it. So like whenever I would see this stuff, I'm like, oh man, like I want to change this narrative so bad because like. I don't want people who don't like or care for or have a nostalgia for Ninja Gaiden mm. to see that and then just instantly say, "Well, that's not a game." Right for enough, me. yeah. Because like I don't have that feeling, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. this is this is the game for me. Um, <laughs> because I, I mean, I do feel like it it is a, a a collage of so many like odes to retro, but just you know, modern game design. Right, right. Uh, besides well, Ninja Gaiden, is there? I guess. Is the NES your favorite console of all time? Probably, but I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite. But yeah, the NES is is definitely uh, definitely a, a big one. Um, I is, mean, is Ninja Gaiden two your favorite game? Or, or Super NES? Uh, my favorite game of all time is Chrono Trigger. Okay, that makes um, an amazing game too. So. so <laughs> um, so, but Ninja Gaiden 2 is is definitely in the top five, you know, but it, it's, I have a hard time ranking them, you know, but I, I know my top five, but Chrono Trigger is the only one that definitely has a rank, you know, and it's number one. Okay. Uh, but again, to touch on what you said earlier with nostalgia and whatnot, you know, it's, it's maybe it's also just the timing as to when I came across that game, you know. Um, like even just the way I discovered it, you know, is, is also part of why it's so big for me, you know, but it's still, I think it's the... For me, the best RPG was made 25 years ago, you know, so, which, which is kind of, it's kind of a weird way to, to look at it, you know, because I, I still look forward to new games coming out and I, and I play them and I try not to play the comparing game, you know, because mm-hmm. I, you're always disappointed. But I think, you know, the, the main thing we miss, and, and that's, what, that's what, you know, we tried to capture with the messenger is that the main thing we miss is being nine years old, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, stiff controls and repetitive music and, and things like that. And so how do we iron out the things that didn't really age well while, while still, keeping the things that work because they'll they'll kick into that feeling that that you're looking for you know um for sure so you know th- so that was the the intention for, for sure but yeah ninja gaiden 2 was the the big one for me one i didn't really like because you couldn't like free climb you know uh and three was i don't know just i just didn't, didn't feel it so much but two was like just just right right on the spot for me for sure awesome so you said there was like a a significant story to how ninja gaiden 2 came into your life is that what you said Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know that I said that, but there is a significant story to how Ninja Gaiden 2 came into my life. Oh, but I, I, uh, 
Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, I guess. I thought, you, I thought that's what you said. I thought you said I, I'm, I'm happy to touch on that. But uh, no, what I meant it was for Chrono Trigger that part of why I think it's number one, maybe it also has to do with how I discovered the game, you know, and it's not necessarily oh, that objectively that the game, you know. Yeah. Right. I know, but Ninja Gaiden 2, man, was that was a magical day, too, because uh, I, I my grandfather showed up to my place with a paper bag full of NES games. Like, just totally randomly, you know, like, not my birthday, nothing going on. My mom didn't know he was coming over, you know. He's a two-hour drive from our place. It's unheard of for him to just show up at the door without my grandma. And he's just like, hey, this is for you. I'm like, what? My mom's like, you can't keep that. Uh, <laughs> Do you know where, like, did he have, and so, there was no reason. It was, like, unprompted. He just showed up. Well, so uh, I've since done the research uh, because it's too late to ask him. Um, but, uh so there are numbers on the on the. So my Ninja Gaiden two, I still have it. There's a sticker, number fifty eight, uh, on that cartridge. Uh, and then my my uncle thinks that a friend of his had a, a video rental place, you know. And so he oh, had, and, and maybe he closed or whatever. And he was like, "Hey, my grandson will dig all these games, so he probably bought the bundle or whatever." That's the oh, theory, that's... but I can't confirm it. Um, but so what happened was my mom was like, you can't keep all of that, so you, you can only keep six games, you know? Um, and so I had the most magical afternoon of going through these games. You know, I had the maybe <laughs> pile, the for sure pile, and the no pile, and I was, I guess I was maybe seven. And, and the maybe pile was because the games were, I thought were scary, you know? And, and I, I thought Ninja Gaiden 2 was pretty scary. You had the demons and all that. The music was kind of like gloomy or whatever. Yeah. And also had the Castlevania 3, and I ended up, Picking Ninja Gaiden 2 instead of Castlevania 3. And it's a funny thing at the office. Sometimes we say, like, maybe we'd be making a different game, you know, if I yeah, picked right. the other one, you know, uh, which is good because Castlevania has been redone already, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but the, the Ninja always stayed with me as the, the, like, I like the Ninja, but not the, sky the skyscrapers, you know, like a sword on the highway or whatever. It's like, mm -hmm. and I, I was always longing for a Ninja in context, you know, that's not a robot, that's not in space or whatever. And, and outside of Tenshu, I've, I've seldom seen that, you know. Yeah, Tensu was so good too. It's crazy that they've never like yeah, carried on that I series. Oh, yeah. I don't know who has the license to that, but I'm confused as to why that hasn't made a comeback. Yeah, yeah, they should totally make another one. Yeah, the closest thing we're getting is that new like uh, from the developers who made. Uh... It's like the the new samurai game that like it's like very hard. It's like Dark Souls. Uh, oh, um, which looks amazing. But... Oh, Ghost of Tsushima or uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. from Sucker Punch. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that's yeah. what it is. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize the infamous yeah. uh, developer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks fantastic. Have uh, have people been trying to pluck you guys or anything? Any any other developers? Are they knocking on your doors now like crazy? <laughs> what do you mean to to uh, get our resources or uh... yeah, or just like get you know steal some of your people or you know oh. I, I, I don't know how the gaming industry can work like that. <laughs> I don't know if there's any like uh, shady people out there that right. like, give you more money. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the main thing we get is is we have a lot of people just reaching out to say you know hey, I don't usually do this but uh, I like the game so that that's really good you know it goes a long way into into motivating people because we work really hard on this and you know even if we're happy with it we're, we're, we're uh, the insecurity is still there for for what's next you know um no but yeah we, we get a few people mainly what we receive is people who want to who want to work with us you know um which you know i mean we're obviously covered on, on most fronts but it, it's always good to you know still make contacts because you never know what can happen but uh as so far as coaching like goes i'm the i like is, yeah what's that no i said that sounds like to me that that the messenger is going to be an assist trophy in Smash, like what? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that would be awesome, right? Imagine uh, that. Right? <laughs> yeah, I wish, but uh, I don't know that that's uh, an easy one to pull off. I think Shovel Knight did it, but it, they're like uh, two million copies in or whatever, you know? Yeah, 
it was so when we when we had uh yacht club on the show before mm -hmm. that was one of the things that just came up because we're, we're all big smash guys over here right. so we, we were like you know what would be the dream like crossover for you guys like whatever and you know smash came up as a thing and like it was just funny like we just whatever talked about it and then kind of pushed it off and then the the direct that came out where shovel knight got announced as an assist <laughs> yeah. trophy wow. i sent one of the message i'm like you like you guys knew this whole time they were just laughing I'm like <laughs> nice well yeah i mean i there's not a thing that that's that big that i know of at the moment but yeah i uh <laughs> i don't think you tell us anyways yeah well i'm not gonna sit here and be like like you know trying to get get leaks off of you or whatever right. is it coming to xbox <laughs> are, are there plans and if you can't talk about obviously no pressure but are there plans to bring it outside of steam and switch uh yeah i mean so the the, the answer and and that's that's uh all I can say for now is that, I mean, we obviously want to get the game in the hands of anyone who will play it, you know. Um, but it, it's more of a question of, uh, you know, what makes sense, which priorities make sense. You know, we're a small team, only one programmer, you know. And so uh, doing a, just a port means that there's a bunch of other things we're not doing and that we have a few artists with nothing to do because they need a programmer to support integrating their work or whatever, you know. Okay. Um, so we're trying to figure this out, you know, maybe adding a coder or, or whatever. So there, there's a few things uh, on the table right now. The, the main thing we want to do is, is also uh, support the game. So we have a, a patch that came out yesterday on Steam. Um, and it's, fi it's just fixing a few, a few issues. You know, some people were seeing frame rate drops that was caused by the engine. We now got the, an updated version that, that fixes a, a memory leak, you know. A few things like that. A lot of people are, are asking for uh, the ability to remap controls, you know. So we're just, at the moment, that's where we're at, you know, just getting some feedback, you know, to work on a, on a patch for, you know, sometime this year that, that will address, you know, a few quality of life items. Mm -hmm. uh, just to make it kind of like, okay, this is how it maybe should have been if we had more feedback before before releasing it, you know. Um, yeah. And then and then and then we'll see we'll see uh, what next. So what I can say is the the, <laughs> I'm the, not the next to for you to tell us something like seriously don't if you. Oh no, it's cool. No, no, I'm, I'm happy to say it. So so we'll, we'll the next exciting thing let's say, which is not just like hey we fixed uh, this bus or whatever. So the next exciting thing will be announced uh, before the end of this year. Nice. I have a feeling I, I know where it might be getting announced then. Okay. <laughs> the ki kind of funny game showcase. I don't know. That, that's where uh, that's where uh, we're out of bounds. But uh, we'll announce <laughs> before the end of the year. We, we should uh, we should have something to say awesome. at least. That's that's exciting. I'm very excited, and that's great. Cool. Um. So clearly, again, I don't want to give away anything, especially because a lot of people listening probably either aren't finished or haven't played the game yet. Um. Mm -hmm. The game ends with. Like, I don't want to give it yeah. away. The end of the game. <laughs> the end of the game. <laughs> um, it, it ends in a way that there's potential for another game or something in this world to exist after. Is that something you'd ever want to do in the future? Uh, I mean, so you're. Again, I don't the, wanna, like, I'm not trying to say like it's her messenger too. I'm just saying like, would the, you ever want to continue? The question is whether I would want to like creatively. The answer is yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's uh, more where that came from. Uh, you know, I'm very close to that little world because I built it really slowly in my mind. You know, since I was eight years old. Yeah. Um, I just I've always wanted to make it, you know, and eventually became a developer, and eventually, you know, so I'm I'm very I'm very attached to it, you know, um, and yeah, there's there's definitely more where that came from, you know, where that came from for for ideas and whatnot, um, yeah. you know, as to 
as to when that will make sense or, or if, if we're ready, you know, maybe we need a creative break or not or whatever, you know, we're still figuring a few things out. Um, but I mean, yeah, if people are excited about it, you know, we'll, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I want to revisit that world for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the part of the reason why I asked is I know when we spoke at PAX that, you know, you had said, this is like, this is your baby. This is, this mm-hmm. is the thing you always wanted to make. Right. And, uh, when we've, when I've, you know, we've had other guests on the show before, or when I've talked to other developers at trade shows and stuff, sometimes the, the feedback I get from them is, Oh, you know, like this is the thing I wanted to make or whatever, but maybe they wanted to also explore other genres or stuff like that. So For I sure. think that, that, that was kind of where the, the, the mm-hmm. question was based on trying to like, yeah, so, like and I'm not I, trying to catch you off guard and be like, I don't know. Give me, I'm, give me I'm, scoops. I'm happy to, I'm happy to share. No. So, well, to, to that thing with the genres that that's definitely a, a big one for me as well. Uh, and that, you know, there, there's really three games I've always wanted to make, you know, and this was one of the three and it's the one that made the most sense as a startup business because it was technically simpler, you know, we could get started with a smaller team, you know, and things like that. So at Sabotage, we'll always be doing, our tagline is retro aesthetics and modern game design, right? So you can always expect, you know, pixel art and, and to feel at home in the game, but with a few twists to modernize them, you know? Awesome. Um, so you can think of the messenger as um, uh, the Sabotage treatment on the retro action platformer, you know? Okay. Um, and so if something is called the messenger, you know, it's a bunker storyline with, with humor, you know, and... and you know, just really based on on the tight controls and and, and surprises. So that's the messenger, you know. Um, but then, you know, maybe we want to do the sabotage treatment on, on the first person shooter or to beat him up or whatever. You know, uh, these are all maybes. But you know, so the idea would be to apply that same reasoning, that same process of like just this pruning of like, oh, what what holds up, what has, what doesn't work anymore, and and how do we make a game more seamless? Because I hate seeing the systems. You mentioned Quarble earlier, you know, that's the lies and continues system that doesn't really work anymore, but then you still need a penalty for dying. So, oh, here's a thing that, you know, builds the lore and adds com- comedic relief and still gives you your penalty for dying, you know? So it's little things like that. How can we, like, kind of remove the dust on, on an old genre, you know, to make it make it fresh again? Yeah, I mean, again, because a lot, a lot of times, you know, going back to arcade, NES, Super Nintendo days, Sega mm-hmm. Genesis, the the difficulty was spiked in order so, so that you wouldn't complete the game quick enough. Right. So like that like that's a lot a lot of the times where some of those mechanics even existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, like to build a reason for there to be like a difficulty meter within the game. Like there are other games that do something similar to what Corbel is, not to that extent where it's a you know a plot device as well as right. a game mechanic. Um, but I feel like those are some of the most creative ways to. To like take something that is a a game, like something that is inherently a, like a video game, you know, trope, mm. and turn it into something else and, and modernize it right. or mask it in some way. Mm. Um, so th- what I'm getting is that you're gonna be making the spiritual successor to Chrono Trigger. I was just gonna yeah. say the exact same. I was literally gonna say the same thing. I was waiting. I was like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be. Uh... I don't think Chrono Trigger can be. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 the king of the hill for forever. I think, but uh, so, so it would be quite the thing to try and undertake for sure. Yeah, I mean, you already got time travel down, so <laughs> right. So you don't need to put it in order, but you know your top five games of all time because I would love to hear them if you do. Well, I mean, I, I'm not even sure that I'm, I'm so aware of the the specific five, even though I probably did say that I was earlier. But um, 
they, they may be surprising. So there's Ninja Gaiden 2 for sure. So Chrono Trigger is number one. There's Ninja Gaiden 2. Uh, World of Warcraft has to be there as well. Um, it's not in its current... Sorry, it's not in its current state in my top five, you know, but it's, it's definitely in the top five that impacted me, if you will. For sure. Um, then you got Mass Effect 2 for sure. Oh, yes. Um, That's the best Mass Effect. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. So <laughs> it's my it's my Christmas game every year. I have to play that game while I'm uh, on a day off, you know. And I, I always think it's the last year I do it, but every year I'm feeling it and I'm doing it again. Um, and you play you like you beat you play the whole game or you just oh yeah play it yeah oh, no, wow. I replay the whole thing yeah, every every oh, year. Man. My yeah. backlog's so crazy. I don't even know if I could ever go back. like actually I still go back to some games. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think I beat Bioshock like seventeen times. Probably. <laughs> Wow. For me, for me, my Mass Effect, like the game that I go back to almost yearly is, it used to be A Link to the Past. I would always mm. play A Link to the Past every every year. Nice. I would like tell myself no and I would still do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was Super Mario World for a long time. Right. Which isn't even my favorite Mario game, but I would still do it. <laughs> it just holds so much like sentimental value to me because um, there, was a, there was a point in time where getting your hands on retro games wasn't as easy as it is now mm-hmm. um, unless you were just you know downloading roms on your computer or whatever right and it was during the age of the dreamcast someone gave me a disc that just had a bunch of super nintendo games on it mm. so like that was the only way because i didn't have my super nintendo anymore so it was like right. the way for me and my friends growing up at the time that like this is how we can relive these games yeah, so man. it was like it was a big thing every summer like when school was off we would just we would get in my basement, like, have a bunch of, like, crappy food, pizza, all the stuff, <laughs> and just play through Super Mario World. Ah, oh, man. Um, so, like, for me, like, that's the reason why I always go back to it, because it gives me, like, some of those feelings. Yeah, I for sure. Super, I think Super Mario Bros. 3 is the best Mario game. I just right, to... I agree. I agree there. Yeah. It's the best Mario game. I don't know. I think sure. I like, uh, the Super NES one. Super, Super Mario World. Yeah, Super that's World, most yeah. people that mm-hmm. I talk to say Super Mario yeah. World. I think Super Mario Bros. 3 is the actual. Best I mean, Mario I saw game. The Wizard in the theaters when they, like, before they even released Super mm-hmm. Mario 3 with, like, Fred Savage. It was like, they, they go to these, like, video game tournament at the end, and it's the first time anyone saw Super Mario 3. Yeah, right, so, right. And, like, everyone was like, oh my God. And then it got released, and everyone knew how to get, like, the secret, like, like fly up and get, like, the secrets yeah. and that, you know. Like, oh, I know where all the whistles, everything, yeah, everything right. is in that game. <laughs> Um, so Mass Effect 2, Chrono Trigger, Ninja Gaiden 2. World of Warcraft and, uh, Warcraft. and uh, Monkey Island. Um, the which, first one? Or? Oh, yeah, the first one. Okay. I mean, I, I think the third one is the most fun to replay for me now, but the first one is the one that I have the fondest memories of, you know, the late at night on Christmas Eve and your cousin's like, hey, you want to see something, you know? And then you just discover this whole new world, you know, with the music and everything. And, these five games for me, you know, obviously it's a one per genre, you know, and if, if I extend the list, you know, obviously there's, you know, there's Shovel Knight and there's, you know, there's plenty of games in, in um, but for me, they, what they, or Super Mario RPG on the Super NES, you know. But, See, Super Mario RPG for me, I think, I think that might be above Chrono Trigger. I'm sorry. Yeah? Oh, yeah? <laughs> I, I think, I think it's mostly a nostalgia thing because I, mm-hmm. I didn't have Chrono Trigger when I was young. I didn't, play it until i was much older mm-hmm. or super mario rpg was like i had that when i was younger so right right well a little bit of nostalgia there well there, there's just one thing for me about super mario rpg that kind of like it was kind of like pulling on that thread that the whole thing collapses i i don't I, actually i don't think i want to say it because i i want i want you to <laughs> keep no, your now i need to know now I well to know. i mean no i don't want i mean 
Well, okay, Break so <laughs> yeah, make make him upset for a week at least. No, please. it's fine. So, we, uh, do you like? Did you play Breath of the Wild? Yes. Do you like that game? Well, so I think it's a uh, okay. <laughs> yes, I love it. I think so. It's kind of like Chrono Cross for me. I think it's an awesome game, but a terrible sequel. Okay. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I, like I, I can understand. Yeah, that. No, it's, it's a good game, but I don't think it's a good Zelda game. What's your favorite Zelda game? Uh, now you're gonna hate me, but it's Zelda Two. <laughs> you say Zelda Two? Oh yeah, Zelda Two: Adventure of Link. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Zelda Two NES is the one. Yeah. See, I think Zelda Two is a bad sequel. It's not a good Zelda game, but it's yeah. not a terrible game. It's such For, a weird it's game, such a but hard I played. Game. I played it so beat, much. It's one of the only Zelda games I've never beaten. Like I. Oh yeah. Well. Zelda's probably my favorite franchise of all time. Like I love The Legend of Zelda. Zelda hmm. Two, for some reason, is just. It's beyond my capabilities as a gamer, and it makes right. me mad. I try to replay. Like I, I've tried so many times to beat that game, and I just can't. That that's the one I I have to beat every year or two. You know, it's with a friend, this friend of mine from uh, from uh, elementary school. You know, we just it's our game, and we have to like beat it every year. You know, whenever we get together, that's what we play. And so I don't know. I just know it by heart at this point. So it's it's kind of like, and that's the thing. I think all these games have in common. All these things, these games that really stuck with us, where like you know the music and the gameplay and all of that. It's it's not just that the game is good; is that it, it's fun to hang out in the game, if that makes sense, right? And you yeah. kind of wanna. It's kind of like oh, I wish that I could actually go there, you know. And and you sort of can go there by replaying mm-hmm. it or, or or finding new hidden things in the game, you know, and whatnot. So anyway, Zelda Two is like that for me. I will say Zelda Two has some of the best music in Zelda. Right. So right. I will give it that. <laughs> Um, but now I, I gotta know your Super Mario RPG thread that's gonna like unravel my my sweater. Well, I mean, maybe it won't. It, it depends where your priorities lie when you evaluate something. But it hit me one day that that because that's another one we play we play every every year with Sylvain, our, our programmer. And so so the story is basically you go to Bowser's castle and and, and Bowser is your neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. And then the bridge collapses. So you go on a trip around the world to go back to the castle from the back door. <laughs> and that is so stupid that you wouldn't figure out how to rebuild that bridge instead or whatever, use a catapult or whatever. That's all it is. Like, oh, the bridge is out. I'll, I'll, I'll go around the globe, you know? Or the donut, I guess, in that case, in this case of the, the world. I'm crying. <laughs> right now. I'll, uh, I'll blame Squaresoft for that and not Nintendo. <laughs> the reason why I brought up Breath of the Wild abruptly like that is because when mm-hmm. we did have Yacht Club on, they're not fans of Breath of the Wild. And uh, we got into a very long mm-hmm. discussion about why they did not like it. It was actually a good discussion about game design because they got into about right, right. why they didn't like it in that regard. Right, right. Well, just the, just the weapons, uh, anyway, yeah. Just the weapons breaking is the big one, but yeah. See, weapons breaking was a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah. Really? I love the game. Well, like me and Brennan would talk about this all the time too. How we'd both be—I I dumped like a hundred hours into that game in like the first like month. I want to say not even. And like every time we talked, we were doing completely hmm. different things. We hadn't even been to certain areas. He was doing one. It was like we we're playing different games, basically. See, that was one of the best parts about the game for me because it was like a single-player game with zero online elements. It was like we were playing an online game together just because of how much we communicated about it. Hmm. My biggest gripe with the game was I played a hundred hours so far. I think I have a hundred hours on Switch, and 
all I know is I've only done one divine beast. Um, I'm not inclined to go running to do those divine beasts. I just want to explore this world because, like, I, I was kind of a little disappointed with the lack of dungeons and bosses, and the divine beast almost became like mm. it, it was almost like you're doing the same thing over and over again. Right. But right. Uh, but but yeah, no, the game is great. But I, I always like the that's like wow. The I always, we always want to know what other people think. See, for me, I don't remember finding something really meaningful again I, I think it's i think it's a good game but for me it wasn't like wow this game you know and and i it felt to me a bit like remember white knight chronicles like i felt like i was playing an offline mmo or whatever you know that like it was meant to be like it's funny you touch on multiplayer because i felt like it was meant to be a community thing yeah no, but then you're just alone like and it's like and for somehow it that that felt empty for me but I no, know. the world def I do I can totally see that. I definitely see that. I think I was just so excited to be like scaling any mountain I wanted to and just like, oh, what's mm. this over here? Oh, yeah. what's this over here? You know, it's like Yeah, I think that's I think there's like a, a weird line. There's like some people that I talk to say the the world feels empty and it feels huge and unpopulated. For mm. me it felt like it felt so alive. Like I was like I I barely ever used the fast travel mechanics. I barely mm -hmm. ever rode my horse. Like I yeah, like I, I almost just walked and climbed everywhere just because I was like, <laughs> getting lost in that world. It's probably why I have a hundred hours. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Part of it for me was I like I held off on completing the game, like the main story, for so long because I didn't want to stop stop playing. Like I, I had a feeling that once the main quest was over, <clears throat> I would not probably go back to do everything. Right, um, right. So I like wanted to continue to live in that world. Huh. Interesting. See, because for me, I, I what I did was rush the main quest because I was like, there's so much stuff around, but I, it didn't feel to me like a, a Skyrim or whatever that I can actually make a decision or impact the world, really. I'm always just like, just a tourist, you know? Yeah. So all I did was just rush the main quest and didn't really care. So, you know, maybe if I stopped a little bit more, smelled the flowers, maybe I would have gotten into it. But uh, I, I was kind of like trying to make it Twilight Princess or Ocarina, or Ocarina of Time, you know? I was trying to, I was hoping it would be that and I tried to make it that, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe I maybe I destroyed my own experience. Uh, yeah. I mean, re regardless, uh, the game, I think, did very well. So yeah, yeah. It, for sure. It really yeah. matters what any of us think. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the last things I wanted to touch on is uh, clearly you must be still playing World of Warcraft. Is there any other modern games you, you play or anything else this year you've been enjoying? Uh, the main thing, so right now I'm on uh, Hollow Knight. Oh, so uh, Because I, you know, I totally uh, skipped that one uh, unintentionally. I was always like, ah, when I have time, when I have time. I did time. the same thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So now I'm getting into it and, and really getting into it and I'm like, wow, I'm so jealous. Um <laughs> So yeah, that, that's pretty much the one. So I do play a bit of WoW, but now it's it's really casual. You know, I used to do the hardcore raiding, you know, back in the days. But now I, I play, you know, maybe five hours a, a week. Um, now right now I'm playing uh, the latest uh, Assassin's Creed. I heard it's awesome. I can't wait to play it. It is. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's more RPGs now though, like with Origins yeah. too. Like they, I, I like that about it too. And they have a good, like, they, they call it, I think, the exploration mode or whatever. You, you get to choose, like, do you want us to pin on the map everything or you want to explore a little bit more? And I, I, and I, I went with the, the one that said this is how it's meant to be played. It's kind of a new take on, on how they send you places in an in a open world setting, you know? Oh, cool. uh, it, it's a small thing, but it's just instead of, like, pinning it directly, they'll be like, oh, it's west of this town somewhere in the woods, you know? And so when you're, when you're in the vicinity, you know, you're like, oh, it must be that. And so there's kind of like that, that aspect to it that I, I, I'm really getting into more. 
And also dialogue has options, you know, which I didn't think I would care for, but it's actually good and impactful. So, yeah, it's very surprising because you think you know what Assassin's Creed is, right? And you're like, ah, they attempted this, but they probably didn't really pull it up. But, but then it's like, wow, no, no, they, they really did. And it's really great. Yeah. So, for for me it's like it's we're getting into that like slog of the winter where it's like there's so many games out so many more games coming out yeah. and i have to be like my backlog is already always just terrible and <laughs> like thinking about what i'm gonna be sinking my time into plus right. at, at least for todd and i we, we're like we're big overwatch guys so like that is like nice. a guaranteed amount of time a week where like it doesn't mm. matter what new games are coming out because we're still gonna sink like time right. into overwatch and uh, I mean, Red Dead Redemption Two is coming out. Oh and, yeah, uh, and that's oh yeah, Soul Calibur. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm one of those people that's gonna buy that game. <laughs> wow, I like, I, I love Soul Calibur, but I just Smash is coming out in December. Yeah, it's I, too I, much. I need to take my time. Something always gets buried every year. There's always something. Oh, that's... so it, you gotta. Well, I was, I would say, like normally, I'd, I'd be like, more developers need to put games out, you know, in January in the summer. But now yeah. everyone's doing that too, so. Yeah. Yeah. Like this year started off with Dragon Ball Fighters Monster Hunter in January. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. and it just kept going from there. <laughs> Celeste, I think, was in January too. Yeah. It's just a crazy, crazy, crazy year, year for sure. Yes, yeah, you guys get a big day tomorrow. You got your uh uh your your, your wacky tobacco day. It starts tomorrow, doesn't it out in Canada? What's that? The oh yeah, yeah the oh you mean the weed the legal yeah, yeah, the weed thing. yeah yeah oh yeah that's tomorrow for sure yeah yeah, yeah right <laughs> yeah well it's been decriminalized for for a long time already you know so yeah, it's kind it's been of the like same way here, already like, like that pushing yeah. stuff back right right but yeah it's official now you can actually go to that place and and get it legal you know which a lot of people will do just because they can I guess yeah right exactly yeah. I don't. I don't partake in the devil's lettuce. So you guys know yourself. <laughs> um, but I mean, we're getting to that time. I don't want to keep you too late. I. I really like. I really do appreciate you taking the time to come on. I know you guys are busy. You know, going to all these other shows and promoting the thing, and I'm sure doing some patches and stuff like that. So I really do want to thank you again for for taking the time to come out and be on the show. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I mean, it's always a pleasure to discuss our passions. You know, so for sure. it was good. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, if there's I mean, anything you want to plug, obviously, for those those of you listening, the Messenger is available on, on Nintendo Switch, on Steam. I think it's nineteen ninety nine mm-hmm. in the yep. U.S. And yep. then, you know, wherever, wherever if you're not in the U.S., adjust that to yes, your sure. price. Uh, but it, in my opinion, I mean, obviously I'm saying it's game of the year, but I think regardless if you own a Switch, like, it is a must, like, it is a must buy. Like, this is a game that if you like platforming, if you like Metroidvanias, if you... I mean, if you like Ninja Gaiden, if you like good platforming games, like this is a game for you. Like it, you, you need to go to a friend's house and try it if you're, if you're, you know, unsure. But come to my house. If you know what, if you, it's a game that I think everyone should play in a game that is in a year that's full of amazing games. The Messenger is 100% a game that if you have a Switch, if you have a Steam account, like this is a game you must own. Um, but wow. Yeah, if there's anything else you want to plug, personal or sabotage or whatever. Well, the the, the main thing is we, we have a Discord up uh, now. We're still uh, catching up to make uh, emojis and whatnot for everyone. Emotes, uh, but um, if people want to come and say hi, I mean, we're, all, we're, we're there, you know. And we're working most of the time, but we, we still grab a few questions and we're happy to see, you know, that people are, are excited about the game. We have a few moderators now. So if you awesome. want to join in on the fun, we have some, we're, we're getting some memes going and all of that. It's, uh, 
looks like it will be good fun. Nice. Uh, is there is there a specific link, or is it easier if they go to your Twitter or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it'll be easier through uh, Twitter. I'm not sure on the on the. I mean, it's just called the messenger, but uh, yeah. And so we're on Facebook, uh, Sabotage QC, and we're on Twitter as well at Sabotage QC. So if you want to follow us, there's also at Messenger Game. Uh, so the info is there. We posted about it like uh, today or yesterday. Awesome. Like I said, Terry, it was fantastic to have you. This is this is a big deal for me personally. I don't want to fan <laughs> out too much, but this is like you know I I like. Oh, he's he's been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that I like choose to do with with pass controllers that i i really do love passionate people doing mm-hmm. passionate things and you know oddly enough not to say that triple a studios don't have passionate people working there and pursuing mm-hmm. their dreams indie studios are in a different type of category because for a lot of people in these studios it's like it's we have to pour everything into this because it's make or break if we if it doesn't right. succeed we know we maybe we're not a business after this yeah. Um, so there's a there's a different type of devotion, a different type of passion. I think that that exists, you know, within people like like you guys. And uh, you know, I try to use my platform to let people know that there are these games out there that maybe don't get the the broadest broadcast of you know what they are. So mm-hmm. not to say that we have you know millions of people listening, but I like to play as many indie games as I can, so that if I come across something that I do enjoy. I can hopefully share that with more people. Right. Well, I mean, and thank you very much, you know, because you touch on a lot of, of real stuff there. And, you know, I think of gaming as just a celebration, you know, and we each, you know, whether you're a dev or, or, or a gamer or, or journalist or, or whatever, you know, or organizing events or whatever, it's kind of like everyone has that same passion and they find their own way that they can contribute, you know, to that celebration that keeps on going. And so, you know, so I appreciate you doing your part. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, the the industry needs to unite. It needs to be yeah. together on these types of things. Um, but yeah, as always, you can find us on the internet at pastcontroller.io, on Twitter and on Instagram at pastcontroller, and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash pastcontroller. And again, thank you, Terry, for yeah, coming on here. Coming we appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good go one. Go buy the messenger. If you're listening to this, it's over. Now go buy the messenger. <laughs> <laughs>